Well, ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing today? Tired and annoyed? What's annoying? I was going to say, is it me? Okay. I did not change my appearance in any way. We had this conversation in my fourth hour. These are the same clothes I've worn for like three Tuesdays in a row. Oh. I cut my hair this morning. Is that not what you, you don't approve of that? Oh, yeah, I just got a haircut. But now you've made me nervous that this is a thing, and I'm wondering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all. We're going to talk about myths today, which is fun, and it's real easy to understand. It's like if I wrote an academic book on myths, it would be short because it's not my specialty. Where legends I could talk about for days, clearly, myths isn't so much my thing, but myths are still fun and cool. So let's, let's hit some myths. Let's start, if someone says, that's just a myth, or that's a myth, what do they mean? What does it mean? It's good. Yeah. It's not true. Like here, if you have a fact versus a myth, it's the fact is true and the myth is false. Right? That's number one. When most people say myth, that's what they mean. And the hardest thing about teaching myths is understanding that when a scholar talks about it, an anthropologist or a folklorist, that is not even remotely what they mean. It's the same word, but it has a completely different meaning. And that's why you look at those first four questions. They're all dealing with this. The fact that when we say myth, it means nothing. If I tell you your most sacred and holy story is a myth, that's because it is. That's what it means. Actually, that's number two. So here's the short version, a sacred narrative about the creation of the world. So if you come in and you tell me, oh, I'm a Navajo, I believe the world was created this way, that story is sacred to you, and it's about the creation of the world. So is it a myth? Yes, if you come in and you tell me you believe that God created the heavens and earth, and then there was these two people, Adam and Eve, is that a myth? Yes. Do I mean that that's not true? No. Remember, folklorists don't make that judgment. Folklorists don't care if it's true. And this is one of the things, if you ever have a folklorist at a party, folklorists are fun at parties unless you want them to tell you stories. Because their job isn't to tell you stories. Their job is to laugh at your stories. That's what they do. They collect them and, and see what they do. They don't care if it's true or false. And that's what, like, you, you know, I, was, I hesitated for a sec because I'm recording myself. Um, social scientists should be the most generous and open-minded people on the planet, and they are not. It's the opposite is usually true. You get into, like, an anthropologist who studies different cultures, 
and they are super biased. They're usually super prejudiced. They're usually super, and I don't mean like anti-black people. I mean like anti-religious, anti, like anyone who is their version of normal, they tend to not like. And they're just jerks about it most of the time. But folklorists are not that way. Folklorists, if you get over to Utah State, the folklorists are the most generous and kind people on, on campus. Like, without exception. They're just the sweetest and nicest. So, like, I, one of the folklorists over there, um, she had this problem. Neighbors were causing her problems. She actually had uh, an indigenous shaman come over and bless her house because the neighbor was causing problems. She comes over here to be a guest speaker when they were first building the Latter-day Saint Temple. She's like, oh, that building's so beautiful. The people here are going to love that. I've seen her do the same kind of thing with every kind of people. They tend to be super non-judgmental. So that's what I really want you to get with the myth thing, is they're not, there's nothing. There's no judgment here. Hey, so here's the longer version. Here's the details. First, it is told as if true. So usually the teller and the listener believes it. Yeah. <laughs> so you just made, made it up, see? Hold that thought, because that's going to be perfect in just a second. Uh, on the next slide, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is. Now this has become a family myth for me. Uh, so for it's told as if true. And understand that inside any, any religion or any group of people, there are different degrees of belief. Right? There's those that are like, this is 100% the way it is. And then there's those who are like, this is kind of describing the way it is, but it's kind of symbolic. And then there's those who are like, this is totally symbolic. And this... Again, folklorists, folklorists care a great deal which one you're in, but, they, but it's more like, oh, that's fascinating. Let me take some notes. <laughs> hey, so here's the second part of it, is it takes place in a different time. A time before time, a time out of time. Or what, the way I called it here is I just called it the before times. So picture this hourglass that you're seeing is time and that skinny part that skinny part is the time when ordinary history began so everything below it is the time when things were different this is the time before human history this is the time when maybe monsters roamed the world or titans or uh, the world hadn't been created yet or people lived in a beautiful garden and there was no death or uh, Right? So this is the time before time. Now, it can also be the time before your family. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Hey, but making sense so far? Good. Hey, so remember we learned about structural functionalism. And it's worth talking about just to remind us for a sec. Do you remember what that is? We've used it a bunch of times. It's the idea that everything in a culture has a function, and if it doesn't, it stops doing that. They stop using it. So every story has a function. 
when the function ends, they stop telling the story. Right? So this is the same guy. He says that the myth is the charter for a society. Charter like that document you're seeing on the right. The, the thing that creates it. So it, when you start a city, the city has a charter. And the charter says, hey, we're going to make the city. It's going to go from here to here to here. And we have these permissions to do it. Uh, charter schools are famous. Uh, you have a charter before you start the school. You say, this school is going to be here. It's created for these purposes. This is why it exists. This is what we want. Yeah. Uh, in modern times, not so much. Yeah, okay, so a myth is the charter for an organization, for a group, for a culture, for a people. So now, in, in the Cox's world, Spencer Cox is their uncle. Right? There was a time before he was their uncle, and there's a time after he's their uncle. A lot of you have a family myth. Before, you weren't whatever you are now, and now you are that thing. Before, you didn't live in Utah. Your ancestors lived in Eastern Europe, or in Mexico, or in Guatemala, or in Tahiti, or wherever your ancestors lived, or England. And then they came over here. Maybe your family myth involves that. Maybe your family myth involves around uh, uh, here, because we have a lot of people who came here for religious purposes, a lot of them involve joining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So a lot of people have a story like that. It might be the story of when great-great-great-grandpa lost the family farm, like in my case, and moved to Ogden. Right? Is this, do you have one of these in your family? You don't have to, but show of hands, how many? Yeah, you've got the story? I know some of you probably have some Japanese ancestors based on where we live. It's a funny place where we have people with names like, you know, these super Japanese names and they look totally like white people because it's been so many generations. Yeah, exactly. Um, topaz, the, the camp that they put people in, that could be camp's the wrong word, internment camp, I want to be sure to clarify. Um, that, that could be part of their family's mythology and how they came to be. Okay, so with this definition of myth in mind, I want you to list as many myths as you can come up with, as many as you know. So go to your neighbor if you're alone. Ariana, I think you're the only loner. So switch to wherever you, wherever you want to go. Yeah. Superstitions are only myths if they fill these two requirements. So can they be a myth? Yes. Are they a myth? Not definitely. And are there superstitions based on myths? Yes, there are superstitions based on myths. Okay, let's stop for just a sec. How is a legend different than a myth? There's really only one thing. It's time. Legends take place in normal time. 
So legends aren't before. And understand, too, these are scholarly categories. So if you write a paper that says that when your great-great-grandpa was the bodyguard of Brigham Young um, and you call it a legend, that's fine. If you say this functions in my family as a myth, that's fine, too. And if there were two professional folklorists, one who studies legends and one who studies myths, standing next to each other, they might be studying the same story. One will call it a myth. The other will say, no, it's not a myth. It's a legend. And they will have a heated conversation. Heated for archaeologists like involves guns. Heated, sometimes literally. I have some stories. Heated for a folklorist is like, oh, I mildly disagree with you. Let's discuss it over tea and crumpets. I don't know, like they, they just, and that's not true for every folklorist, but they tend to be that way. So, by the way, that that is one of the things that makes archaeologists interesting. Are there legends that are based on Oh yes, there are legends that are based on myths. That that the myth turns into a legend. Well. I hate to use this example because you guys already think I'm a super big nerd, but it's okay. Like the one ring in Lord of the Rings. It is a myth, right? And then it becomes a legend because they forget that that's the way it went and just a few people know about it. Fortunately, Gandalf is one of them. Yeah. Depends on the role it's playing at that moment. So if you were there on the, lock means lake, lock, like you could even hear it. Um, if you're there right next to it and you're explaining this is how the lake came to be or something like that or this is how our family came to be here, then it's filling the role of a myth. If it's not doing that, it's filling the role of a legend. Yeah. Religion, almost always, a religious creation story is a myth. Like, that is, that is it. I can't think of an exception. In fact, it's really that simple, that short version, a sacred narrative about the creation of the world. Most religions have a story about the creation of the world. That story is sacred, and since it's about the creation of the world, of course, that's, that's what it is. So that's, those are the easiest ones to do. And you could start with those. Yeah. Remember, provability doesn't come into it at all. The Big Bang Theory, I would not call a myth because it's not sacred. If you start a church and you worship the God of Science... Or, which I get, I, I'm saying this like it's a joke, but then I think about Robespierre and his cult of reason in the French Revolution. If you don't know, in the French Revolution, Robespierre realized religion was very powerful, so he decided to start his own. Because he was anti-religious, so he literally started an atheist religion. He called it the cult of reason. They were not reasonable. But they were a cult, yes. They were actually a cult by definition, and they were freaking scary. Uh, but that's not because, that's just because of Robespierre. <laughs> He's the dude with the chopping off of the heads of all his enemies. 
Like, that's why it's scary. It's not because of his belief system. It's because Robespierre. I, I'm not fond of anyone who's chopping off the heads. I just, I can't think of an exception. Hey, so are we clear? So you're going to list as many myths as you can. Turn to your neighbor. Go and do it. Yes, Mother Nature is a myth. Okay, let's come back together. Let's let's share some of the ones that we came up with, and I, I want to share some of the questions. The questions I got to Emma. What was your question again? 
Oh, yeah, like Atlas holding up the world. Is that a myth? So to the ancient Greeks, was that a sacred story? Yes. Did it take place in a time before time? Yeah. So, yes, it is. It's, a, it's definitely a myth. Now, not everything your English teacher calls a myth is a myth, right? Some of those are Greek legends. Well, it depends. Hercules, yeah, Hercules is technically a legend because he takes place in normal time. Unless you're telling it now. Like, if, if you started out with long ago, when gods roamed the world, right? I've just set up a different time. I've just said, hey, this is a time before the way things are now. This is a different kind of situation. See, that's the, that's the key. Good. What other myths did you come up with? Yeah. Excellent. There's different stories that, that indigenous people tell about where they come from. Excellent. Excellent. The five major religions, each one has a different story of how the world was created. Very good. That one's actually true, so it doesn't... I'm just kidding. Yeah, yes. North, Norse, North, North. I've been teaching too much Civil War. Norse mythology. Yeah, yeah, the, the world's created from the carcass of a frost giant. Definitely not the way things are now. Excellent, good. And by the way, Norse mythology is a great example. Uh, most of you who are religious have some story about a benevolent God who creates the world to help people and to, to bless and, and, and be good and kind. The Norse, they were not that way. Norse, like Norway, Sweden, the Vikings, they believed in gods who demanded sacrifice and were cruel and we're awful, and in the end, we're going to be defeated, and the world was going to end in sadness and sorrow. How do you live? Well, that's I, no wonder these were brutal and terrible people, right? By the way, anyone else? These are your ancestors? Me? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah, if your ancestors are from England, my ancestors probably killed some of yours. Yeah, Easton, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, my ancestors were from England, too. Now, good. Any others? Oh, good. Like uh, the gods of ancient Egypt and how they created everything and did all their fancy-schmancy crap. Yeah, there's lots of these that, that involve, so the myth involves the creation of the world. Lots of these lead to a destruction of the world, an inevitable destruction. And I'm amazed. So teaching history up till 2012, 
people would be like, no, the world really is going to end. And I'm like, do you believe in the Mayan religion? Yeah, sure you do. Sure you do. Plus, the Mayans didn't actually believe that. It's like a gringo thing. Like, and I taught this forever. I actually have a t-shirt. I still have it that says, basically, I told you so and has a Mayan calendar because I kept telling students I was going to make such a t-shirt and wear it the day the world didn't end. And I did. Yeah. Oh, good. Atlantis. First, just what, what role does Atlantis play in our society? Myth or legend? In our society, it's a legend. Uh, somewhere else is a myth. Yes. Good. The ancient Greeks in particular. So Plato is the one. Everything we know about Atlantis, we know from Plato. And he was writing kind of about their ancestors and how they, they lived in this great place that was super advanced and then in a single day and night of misfortune, Atlantis fell to the sea. His words. Yeah, in the, not quite the tune I'd use, but yes. Good. Okay, so we got it? We got it. Now, here's what I want you to do. I added in Canvas uh, an assignment where you're going to find the myth for the people that you've been studying. Now, I understand, first of all, that a lot of you chose a big, broad group of people. So you were like, I chose to write about France. And it's not like France has a myth. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not, although, so you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, since we've already established I'm a nerd, he was frustrated that he didn't think England had a good myth. Because uh, King Arthur is actually a French king. He comes, his ancestors came from France. So he's like, we need an English myth, and that's part of what Lord of the Rings was, is if I was envisioning an English myth, what would I do? And so that, that was his kind of idea. So part of my curriculum is a big part of literary mythology. Yeah. So yours is going to be, you've had a hard time so far that's been easy for most of them. This one's going to be easy for you. <laughs> yeah. Yep, go with theirs. So how many of you are going to be writing about Adam and Eve? Right, a lot, because that goes. Now, again, is there judgment? Are we sitting there and being like, this isn't true? No, here's, here's where it gets hard. There are countries that are mostly secular. So if you chose a country that's primarily made up of like agnostics, do they have a myth? This is a, it's not a trick question. What's a myth? What's the first part of that definition that's sitting in front of you? Sacred. Do they have a sacred story? No. Does that mean we just hate them? Only while we're working on this project, right? Because they made it harder for us. <laughs> No, so in that case, you can either go back in time and pick what they used to believe, or you can say, hey, just for this one thing, I'm going to jump and find someone else's myth just so I can complete the assignment. Either one is fine. Here's what I want from you. I want a short retelling. I would love it if it was three sentences long. 
I'm hoping you have time to finish this and you have time to come back and do the last part of the learning journal today. I don't think that you will. There's only 15 minutes. But I hope that you would. Is that, is that fair? Okay. So here's the key. This is, and I can't grade you on this, but I want you to adopt this attitude. Be as non-judgmental as you can. Especially if you studied someone who's completely different than you. Be like, it doesn't mean you have, being non-judgmental doesn't mean you have to believe it. You just have to sit and be like, you know what? It's not my thing, but I get that it's your thing. And I respect that that's your thing. Otherwise, we can't have things like folklorists and anthropologists. It doesn't work. By the way, most folklorists and anthropologists are agnostic, in my experience. They just tend to be. That means they believe that they're just waiting. They're like, someday I'll die and then I'll discover if there's a God. They tend to be pretty chill. They do tend, anthropologists tend to be superstitious, especially the ones that work with bones. So like I have a very good anthropologist friend who is completely like you ask her, she'll be like, I'm an atheist, 100%. And then you're like, okay, let's move these things to the anthro lab. And she's like, we have to move the bones at night because their spirits travel better at night. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's true. I. People are complicated. That's part of what makes pe studying people wonderful. 